Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. You're listening to Deep Thoughts with Arizona State head coach Herm Edwards. Signing day is a little bit unusual for me because in pro football, you get to draft them. In college, they pick you. Priceless. That's very observant of you, Herm. Thanks. Uh, how about uh, Mac? What's up, Redcasters? To celebrate my bandwagon ways, I have recently purchased tickets to the game this Saturday. I'm going to watch them play the Scarlet Knights. That's how full on I am. <laughs> Go Big Red. It's the basketball season. Woo-hoo! All right. Uh, Rutgers versus the Huskers on Saturday. Right? And I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to announce to the Redcasters that from the start to the uh, close of this hot take, I have accepted and declined the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I, I think Honky actually quit his job because he thought he'd be following you, and then now he's completely jobless and on the streets because of you, Boomer. Way yeah. to go, buddy. I'm hosed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's there's moves and then there's – there's Josh McDaniel. So I was a Broncos <laughs> fan. I'm not terribly surprised about that scenario. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's talk about Husker football, guys. Uh, a few things have been happening since our last podcast. We actually delayed our podcast this week for a few days so we could get a few extra things in. Uh, obviously, National Signing Day happened, and that's a big deal, and we're going to dive deep into the recruiting. We also had a Nebraska basketball game, another victory on the road versus Minnesota. We'll dive into that as well. Um, so I think it was well worth a couple extra days, right, guys? Yeah, I think so. I, there was recruiting that went on? Yeah, I, I think so, Honk. I, I was following a little bit on Twitter. I mean, you're the Twitter guy. I figured maybe you might have saw there's this national signing day thing where, you know, all these high school recruits uh, signed their letters of intent. Now, there was an earlier version of this in December, and we, we did it right there as well. But Frost & Company have been hitting the, the streets for over two months, and they wrapped up a, a, a pretty awesome class considering uh, that it started in the 90s and went all the way up into the low 20s, I believe. So, uh, Honky Mac, I think we're going to be relying heavily on you in this segment, but just like your opening thoughts on uh, recruiting day here for Nebraska. Yeah, Mac. To be honest with you, it was, it was a great, great finish to, you know, what's becoming fairly normal for this coaching staff. They, they are an organized, well-oiled machine that goes out and gets what they want. Um, it's, it's, it's a broken record, but my goodness, you know, um, when he came here, they think they were in the 90s, low 90s, like you said, Dave. Uh, they were in the top 25, 21 if we're going to be splitting hairs, and if we're really splitting hairs, we're talking like a .5 from being top 20. So whatever. If you guys underrated, you know, that's always a Nebraska battle cry, right? But they, either way. It was a phenomenal job of closing. They got impact players. They've got speed guys. They've got guys to model their offense. And uh, from the sounds of it, guys who are interested in love playing football and not necessarily loving recruiting. And I think we talked about that before. But those are those are the kind of guys that are going to get this program changed around quicker than not. And you know we've alluded to that between the recruiting class and the walk-on class and a couple transfers. We're talking plus forty new guys on the team this year that are yeah. hungry and dying to make a change. So um, I'm not saying all this will lead to wins quickly, but the culture change will be noticeable, I almost would bet, day one. 
we we talked about flipping the roster, and I think the Exhibit A has been the Scott Frost regime here at Nebraska. Honky, you want to add on that? Maybe a little bit on the walk-on class. I think seventeen walk-ons signed yesterday as well. Yeah, I mean not just not just seventeen, but seventeen in-state kids. Every one of them Nebraska guys, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's something that's kind of red meat to the to the the fan base that's wanting to see that population get built up, right? Um, you know, this, it's a talented group. You've got guys from Moses Bryant that could have been, you know, he was a three-star according to some of those rankings, and he could have gone to some D1 and, and FCS schools. And just other kids that, you know, I've mentioned Chris Cassie before, and that's a kid that can fill in some roles. Masker, the, the quarterback from, from Kearney, who beat all of, you know, Frost records here. Uh, oh, these wow. are guys that they're going to, at some point in the next four to five years, a couple of these walk-ons are going to be guys that are going to be pushing into the into the uh, depth chart. They're going to be pushing into the starting lineups, and there will be some that that fizzle out and don't make it too, just like any other any other year in any other class. But it's a good group, and so and I think it's a group that overall the, the walk-on group and as Mac was saying the, the scholarship group coming in here, it's something that the the fan base can be proud of, and I think Coach Frost and his staff can be proud of what they've done over the last two months. It's it's impressive, really impressive. I hear you. Uh, speaking of our fan base, uh, the the mailbag is runneth over uh, these days. We're getting a lot of good questions in from uh, Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. Honky, you want to kick us off with uh, one of our uh, first questions? Yeah, I think we'll probably kind of break it in the mailbag into two different areas because a couple of them are basketball, and then uh, but the ones that are kind of football and recruiting related. Uh, Mike and Marty from Columbus, uh, they say, who do you guys think is the best recruiter of the year? And if we will see him playing, having playing time this fall, and on top of that, Aaron Kobza asked uh, to give us your super six from this class for immediate impact. So those are kind of the same questions, and because we're hearing other shows doing super six, and we don't want to, we don't want to, yeah. you know, get uh, infringe on copyright, copying copyright or anything. <laughs> we're going to call Redcast forges its own path. That's right. So we are we're going to give you the Redcast Roku and uh, Boomer. Can can you tell us what that means? Our expert on East Asian languages. Yes, uh, Roku is uh, Japanese for six. So rather than uh, you know infringe on the super six uh, and trademark that's out there, we know Honky is very big in Osaka. So we thought we would uh, <laughs> go that route for our, for our branding. Yes, yeah, well, and this and this show got its start with Dave and producer Skip in China late that's night, one night, you know, having some drinks. So. That, you know, kind of an ode to, to that part of the world. Uh, the Redcast Roku. Also, we have frequented many Chinese buffets around Lincoln. That is very true. We have <laughs> Yangs. Well. Yangs, if you're listening. Yeah. That, that's closed now. But. Never mind. You're, not, you're <laughs> definitely not listening. Okay. But anywho. All right. So, anywho, point so. is, so let's start with uh, the <laughs> Redcast Roku, the, uh, the Super Six. So, uh, Honky and, and Mac will kind of let you go back and forth here, like a draft, I guess. Um, I guess you can repeat, so that's okay, because you're picking your top six guys. Right. But then at the end, you can focus on the biggest impact next year. I believe that's the actual question from Mike and Marty. Is that correct? That's correct. And even well, I thought that was best recruit. I'm... It, it basically it's a combination of let's okay. do let's do our six, and then okay. from that, pick your one that you think is going to be the best slash most instant kind of contributor so yeah it's a little I'll bit just, different of a question so yeah i'll let you go yeah. first on so for me it, just to kind of find some consistency before i started just picking names 
I kind of wanted to have some, what was a theme behind it. And for me, immediately, I'm looking for guys that are if, – if you're on campus right now, that's a big plus to me, especially yeah, if you're going to be sure. a more of an immediate sure. contributor. And it just so happens also if you're a JUCO kid and you've been out of school for a couple of years and you're here now, I even kind of give you a little bit another leg up because you're – your body is a you couple more years out of high school, all you that bet. good stuff. So with that is kind of my premise, you know, I'm picking uh, Mike Williams, wide receiver. I'm picking Greg Bell, the running back. Um, I'm picking Will Hannes, the, the linebacker, Deontay Williams, the DB. And that's four. So two other ones, I'm going to pick Adrian Martinez. He's here now. And it's a huge position, quarterback, obviously. So I think he's one of those kind of super six Roku guys. And the last one, I guess I'm going to throw my own little, you know, spin into it. I I love tall receivers, and this goes okay. back to you know Mac. This goes back to the days of Kenny Wilson che- Thomas, Wilson oh, Thomas Kenny Cheatham, you know, Purify those kind of guys, and Justin McGriff. He's just a different style guy at six six and two ten. He's just a different style guy, and, and he's on campus now. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how what kind of role he kind of forges. So remember Will, Hen- remember Will Henry. Oh yeah! Oh gosh! Gotcha. Yeah. Nice tall, tall wide receiver. Yeah. He actually made yeah. some good plays. Yeah. Um, I would agree with like ninety nine percent of your list. All right, um, so let's let's work through that list. My uh, super make six. Sure oh, we, go ahead. I just want to make sure everybody. I mean, I, I can't even remember what Honky just all all named off there. So Honky, what was your number six guy? Okay, so number six is McGriff. Okay, so um, okay, then, so let's do this. Uh, just slow down, slow down. So uh, McGriff is your number six, correct? Sure. Yeah, I guess I didn't rank them exactly by number, but yeah. All right. Um, I don't have mm-hmm. a. I didn't rank them. I just ranked six. I didn't put them in particular order of well, the. Let's six. do it right now on the fly. I'm sure you guys can do this. Well, don't put me on the spot, Dave. Uh, number <laughs> one right. on the spot. Okay, actually, my number one impact recruit this year, using similar kind of uh, criteria that that Honk uses. So you're well, going number one. Greg, I'm asking number six. Yeah, Greg, start start with six and work down. Tate Wilderman. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's a name that hockey didn't name out. Tate Wilderman, uh, I think he's a position of need. Um, like what I hear about the kid with, yeah. with all the changes on the defense and the way we're going to play, I think everybody's got a shot. So I like that. All him. right, so McGriff, Wilderman. All right, Honky, who would be number five? Uh, Martinez. Okay. Mac? I'm going to go with Cameron Taylor. Interesting, Cameron Taylor. Now he's a, a, a defensive back, defensive back, from possible Alabama. safety. Right? They have him listed as athlete sometimes, but his film's right. impressive. I, I give him a shot. You know, with like that. Yeah. All right, and hockey. Who is your number four? Uh, Mike Williams, wide receiver. Uh, now McGriff's the big six six guy. Well, Williams is the five ten speedster dude from uh, from Adds Eastern to the Mississippi uh, Community okay. College. Yeah, Mac. I'm gonna go with Caleb Tanner on that one. I Another love outside that. Force. That, that was a yep. wasn't that one a little bit out of the. I felt like a little bit out of the blue, right? I mean, National Signing Day morning. The the story was that uh, Javante Jean Baptiste uh, was was potentially signing, right? And he was going to be that edge rusher, right? And we then were, we were in it, on both of them, you know, right? And. And Jean Baptiste's school is like apparently there's a snowstorm on the East Coast and and he can't even go to, to the National Signing Day ceremony so he like propones it for a few hours and suddenly Ohio State swoops in and, and takes him because Shiano isn't leaving for the Pats T coordinator but then it's all okay Not because yet. Caleb Tanner yet. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was if that's if that's Urban Meyer playing these guys, that would be pretty pretty uncool. And I wouldn't put it past him though. But uh, at the same time, uh, someone who didn't get quite as much press as someone that they the, the experts on rivals and others didn't didn't know we were going to get this guy. Caleb Tanner comes in, we get a four star DN anyway. So I think that was a great great pickup by. Yeah, he by really offset the loss of that because that would have been that would have been hard to lose Jean Baptiste and not get somebody like yeah. him. So that was a that was a big. You know, kind of those, you know, last year, I remember we talked about hats on the table. You remember how we'd say that, oh, we got hats on the table, you know, we're starting somewhere. And this and this year was not so much hats on the table, but um, the guy's just picking us right away. You know, we won those battles. It wasn't the big drama scene. I don't know if you guys watched many of those hat ceremonies, but they were fantastic, yeah. some of them. The, the one where the mom got up. And walked away. Oh, oh yeah. Man. That's crazy. It was, Co- it was great. Co- that was Jacob Copeland yeah. who, who took Florida, Florida yeah. over Alabama. I mean, they were all uh, yeah. awkward. It was great. So, anyway, where were we on this? Kids. No, we were on four right there. So, Honky, your number three then? So, number three, I have uh, Will Hannes, uh linebacker. And, I mean, he is just built to be an inside backer. Um, and if you haven't been listening to, like, Sharp and Benning, do from the last couple of days go back in if, you know to listeners out there and you can listen to, to Damon really goes in depth on how the inside linebacker is going to be playing and a little bit different you know some of the, the gaps and stuff and we're probably not going to get real deep on this show certainly talking about that but he did some really good things on, on Sharp and Benning there and I think they will the own us on actually right what's that they interviewed him yeah they, they had him on him as on. well yeah. and just how but how he's built I mean he is just kind of that that's his spot. He is just made to be an inside backer in this kind of three four attack. So um, and again, junior college guy on campus. So he's my number three. All right, Mac, your number he was, three. He was my number three as well. That's about a perfect spot for him. Uh, nice position to need coming in. Sounds like he's a serious serious football player. Love. I can't wait to see him. He's here early. It's gonna be great. Excellent. All right, number two. Uh, I'm going with Greg Bell. Uh, the running back, and mm-hmm. uh, again, junior college here guy on campus. I think that I'm really intrigued just by the entire running back room, and so I, I think he's quality enough. I could almost put him number one, but I think the room that he's going into with Jalen Bradley coming back and hopefully a, a healthy Trey Bryant or a healthy enough one that he can be playing, that I think it actually prevents me from putting Bell right away at, at number one here. So, but number two. Okay. Mac? Uh, mine's A.J. Martinez at number two. I think he's got a real shot to play this year, but I'm not ruling out the two guys that we have coming back on scholarship either. So, um, But, you know, future, this guy's got a ton of potential. Uh, he's he's tailor-made for this offense, and and he's, he was identified quickly in the process as one of Frost guys. So he's been pretty good about uh, predicting quarterback talent in the past, so I like him. Awesome. Uh, Honky, do you also have Adrian Martinez on your list? I did. He was number five for me. Okay. Could, uh, I, I was looking up uh, Scott Frost, our previous quarterback recruits, or, and maybe I shouldn't say Scott Frost, but I mean like who he coached. And, and I, I noticed that Marcus Mariota, uh, when he was coming out of Hawaii, uh, was a three-star quarterback. He had two Division One offers, Oregon and Memphis. That was I think good schools for both of them, actually. Yeah, but um, and, you know, and Milton McKenzie 
didn't or Mackenzie Milton, I always get his name reversed. Uh, not a lot of uh, hype there. So uh, Adrian Martinez, probably the most highly recruited um, quarterback that Frost is going to work with, and he did uh, target him from day one of this job. So I think it is really interesting uh, to see how he uh, competes this year versus the uh, the two guys already in the QB room. All right, so Honky, who's your number one? Uh, Deontay Williams, uh, I think that's a, a real position, an open position, uh, that corner, uh, where I think, you know, junior college guy comes in there, he's six feet tall, and and I think he's a guy that's going to be able to compete right away um, with the Eric Lees and the Lamar Jacksons and, and Boodles. Lord, I hope so. Well, and, and it, if nothing else, I mean, that's a, it's an immediate contributor to the, to the depth chart. I hate calling somebody an immediate starter and all that. We haven't even seen him play it down, but... I, I can see him stepping right away to be an immediate competition right away for, for a starting role. And so, I mean, that's a yeah. that's a pretty big spot for a guy to come into. But I'll just tell you just in general, these DBs, the, the C.J. Smith and Williams and Cam Jones and Braxton Clark, there's height all of a sudden. Yeah. They, they, they targeted mm-hmm. a body Rangy type. guys, yeah. Six feet to up to 6'3". Uh, they were trying to get some size on, on that on the DBs. Um, area and, and so that's something I think Frost and staff did a really good job of mm-hmm. is when they wanted a body type whether it was a 6'6 receiver like McGriff or if it's a 6'3 corner or right. or those DNs that are all 6'5, 6'6 that's, they went out and found those guys right. and they got them. And Mac, who's your number one? My number one is Greg Bell I think you can always name somebody an immediate starter, just kidding no, <laughs> um, but I do think as, as far as coming in with the question marks of Trey Bryant um, and the inexperience of Jalen Bradley and the schizophrenia of Noel Devine's running style. I feel like he's – I feel like Bell's kind of set for this offense. He's an actual hitter, a home run hitter on there, and uh, he's going to be here for spring, so he's going to be ready to go. I think that, you know, going back to that size thing, I think it's interesting too because Greg Bell, he's like your body type, your foot 200 guy. Washington's your six foot one ninety guy, and you got the Miles Jones, that five six one sixty six guy. You know, kind of all filling different roles, but you can expect to see all of those guys at some point um, if they're playing. I mean, mm-hmm. all those guys in the rotation at the same time. So it'd be interesting how he uses those two because they range that same kind of way. But you know, with two big hitters, Miles Jones is supposed to be super fast, and so's Bell. How important do you think it is in this offense? Like we talk about having different body types, like. How important do you think it is that we have a big back? So, for instance, we have that with Azigbo, right? But let's say, for instance, Azigbo wasn't coming back, and let's say we didn't have that guy. Do you think that would have been reflected in this class? Would we have ended up on top of that getting a 220-pound back? Yeah. No, I, I totally – I really do think we would because we, they've had guys like LeGarrette Blunt in their offenses before, and, you know, they, nobody really gets featured at the running back position as they just have their – their series, or, or they'll have their, you know, their little packages. But the way their offense seems to work, man, um, that would be going into Big Ten play. Having a big body guy like that could be very, very useful going down the stretch, in particular. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you clarify that for me, guys. I want to make sure I was following that. So, we do have a Zigbo and and a, a bigger body back already on the roster with the recruits this year. Do you feel like anybody? will be in that role or is that a position of need for next year where we'll need to fill that yeah I think we'll have to look at that unless you know maybe a guy like Ben Miles changes his body a little bit maybe because 
you know the the fullback. He's a, he's a good runner. He's a ball skilled athlete. I mean he. He's a, he's a p- potential threat for receiving too. So you know you could use a guy like that. He's already on on the team and shift his body like they're planning on shifting the uh, offensive line's body. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but but I think even with that said, yeah, they probably need to go after that body style next year, and I bet they do. I won't be surprised. It'd be it'd be interesting to see who they identify early in the recruiting for for running backs. Yeah. Right, Ben Miles isn't i mean i mean i i think some of the talk tonight uh, on on twitter was uh you know that we're not seeing the fullback uh trap come back or whatever it was right so but i mean he yeah, could be an h back etc he could have a lot of other roles um but yeah i think that's an interesting interesting idea uh, so it seems like to me honky you you took the approach here with your red cast raku of identifying the six players that because you took mainly juco guys uh that would have the most immediate impact um, on the roster. Mac, you're a little bit more sprinkled in with the the true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honky, if you were redoing that list and you were simply saying over the courses of their career, who would have the biggest impact uh, on on Nebraska over the next four or five years? Uh, who are a couple names that you might have included? Yeah, I I would definitely agree with Tate Wilderman. I think that guy could be something very special here and some of this is how to you know a Maurice Washington kind of guy is a to me he's a little bit of a boomer bust in some ways I mean he could be Hmm. an all-american style talent right and he also still has to get over some academic issues and so yeah I never want to I'm not going to ever project a kid not making it or anything like that but he's got some work to do even before he steps onto campus so that's one of those kids where there's a there's a lot of upside with him but I like Tate Wilderman there. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot of good things. C.J. Smith and Cam Jones, yeah. definitely. Um, C.J. Smith is an interesting prospect, too. I think he's got a ton of upside. You talk about height. Mm-hmm. 6'3", 190, playing defensive back. Uh, I think Cameron Jurgens too, an interesting guy over the course of his career. My only problem with with him is I'm not entirely sure he should start a tight end. I, I feel like his body and, and athletic ability is way more suited to the defensive side of the ball. That's neither here nor there, but that will make a difference, you know. Because how much of a, how much of an impact is his career going to be a tight end, you know? And even if he's a great tight end, eh, wouldn't it be awesome if he's a great defensive end? You know, mm. of, of the two, I feel one obviously defensive end would be far more valuable for him too. I, I'm in, I'm intrigued by the size of Katerian Legrone as the receiver at six three two twenty. That's just a really different type. He's yeah. not he's not the six six guy, but he's still got some height right. on him. And he's and he's got some meat on him, so I mean that's a different style of receiver again. And so I'm always kind of looking for those little things where someone's just a little different than the other guys right. that, that maybe we have on the staff. Uh, Will Farniak as an O lineman. I was just listening the other day. He's 275 right now. They list him here at 258, 260. Nice. But he's already 17 pounds heavier. So you know when we're talking about, I know over the last couple of weeks there's been some some discussion points about how the off season has been going or how they've had to cut certain things back. I don't want to go too overboard with some of those things because we're talking about a very small amount of the players that, that out of a hundred and some that are, yeah, that are on I the mean, team, there are some success stories right now. And I think we're it's also important. talking about a workout that lasted just a little over 30 minutes. Yeah. So. And so, uh, but bringing up a guy like, like Farniak is important because there are success stories that are already starting to come out. Here's sure. a guy that's 17 pounds up. And, and so, I mean, he could be one of those guys. And he's Will on Canty, campus and, yeah. You know, came in. And, and I guess I'm rambling a little bit here today, but you, you kind of asked about long-term thing. I still think there's a couple of these walk-ons, too. 
I'm, I'm huge on, on Chris Cassidy. Uh, that's totally separate again from Bill Benning being huge on him, and I know Damon's been huge on him. But Chris Cassidy, I think, is a kid that could fit two sides of the ball. Yeah. And and I'm really intrigued by Masker at quarterback. I, I just am. Really? Um, well, even Vedral, there's another guy that we talked about, you know, impact. Yes. That obviously won't be felt this year, but that's a kid. His impact, he will have an impact on this year's team, just not on the field. But in that quarterback, sure, field, just he being will be in the QB valuable. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that Frost brought up that uh, he wants to be a coach, you know, and that's kind of one of the reasons he transferred mm-hmm. here. And you want kids on your team that already know they want to be coaches because they're going to do nothing but try to absorb and learn. And and for him to spend a year in that in that quarterback and, room and with communicate those guys, to others, right? Absolutely, I mean, it's not just a one way scenario there so that's yeah great. so his value yeah. might never never be quantifiable really but mm-hmm. um yeah, or, or, or so I, I do want to get to uh the rabdo thing just a little bit and and, and no squats or squats etc but before i do i want to bring boomer in and i'm going to say one name that was not mentioned by mac and honker honky barrett pickering what are your thoughts on our our kicker Come on with special teams. <laughs> That's right, man. I mean, he may be starting next year. This might Boomers be a very are, important pickup. Boomers are well, special teams coordinators, so we know how got. important special teams are to our Husker success in the past. I mean, kickers have been. He's like a two. He's a three-star kicker, so that's like a five-star kicker, really, right? Well, no kidding. Yeah, that's that's as good as five stars in the kicking world. I mean, you think Saban yeah, would like really a quality kicker? Serious. I mean, absolutely, he would. So yeah, it gives you something to build on. You have the nice security blanket. Always being able to have good field goals, good kicking. Yeah, that's what you want. So. Now he's not in for spring, is that correct? No, I'd almost here. like to see some. Oh, he's here. Yeah, he's here. He's one yeah. of the off-season oh, that's great. guys. Yep. And so, do we have a walk-on uh, that that is competing against him? I think we do. Um, well, anyway, uh, point is, I mean, we, we're going to have a brand new kicker next year, whoever it is, and I mean that is an important facet. So, just thought I'd make sure Barrett Pickering got a got a little uh, press there. All right, guys. Uh, let's keep on moving through scarlet colored glasses here. Uh, we're a little late on the on the rabdo instant. Rabdo is that right? Uh, rabdo. Rabdo. Maybe uh, Mac, you can give us the technicalities of, of what well, actually just, happened. It, but I mean, I, I guess let's let's broaden the conversation a little bit because it was just an incident that kind of brought all this to light, and it, it the story has legs. It continues to go on. I mean, uh, talking about the the conditioning of the team under Riley and Mark uh, Phillip. I think it is Phillip. Um, and uh, and really where uh, they, this team needs to go and should that be tempering our expectations, all those type of things. I mean, how bad a shape are they in? Have they not been doing squats uh, for the last three years? And um, how quick can they turn this thing around? Mac, Honky, yeah. jump on. There's overs. a lot. There's a lot. In that one question, I mean, just today Thanks. on Twitter, just on today on Twitter, we saw people retweeted some video from a year ago of of a squat competition that we did back then, and and that was trying to prove that hey, we were doing squats before, and then it was a it was literally a hype video. It was a hype. video. It wasn't like a normal workout. <laughs> this was clearly like a special day. Yeah, and then and smoke then, and mirrors, man. And then uh, Rob Zaska with with Doc Talk, another another. Um, uh, of the the podcast, it's he a quality podcast today, very quality one, and he's and he's posted some stuff today talking about you know from an internal standpoint, he knows some people inside the program that kind of said yeah that was that was more the the unusual than the usual what they were doing in that video, and so heaven forbid the 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 last uh, right. the last 
regime did a good job on social media promoting something, but maybe it, you know, the hype was bigger than the, the reality. At the end of the day, I think what was really – I'm just going to call it smart from, from Frost at the very least, and a clear difference from a year ago, was when he made the 4-8 and eight statement to Sipple's question, that's smart. And all it is is it's just to temper a little bit yeah. of the hype. It, this thing is going to – this thing's about ready to blow off the roof. We sold 90,000 tickets in, in 26 hours or whatever. So we don't need to hype it up. And when you think of a year ago right now – that part of signing day was having Billy Devaney tell us that Tanner Lee's going to be better than Jared Goff, you know, who right. was <laughs> the first player in the NFL draft. Even we at the time were saying, like, why are we, why are we hyping something? Yeah, it, it just like felt we unnecessary. Pump the early, they, they didn't seem like they pumped the brakes until the very last press conference before the season. <laughs> it was like, now he might not be as good as where everybody said so far up until now, and, and I, they were right. And I just thought it was good because. Look, we have all the reason to to feel hype and to feel good. I mean, we th- a lot of good things have happened. I mean, this is a good time for good feelings. And yet at the same time, it made a little sense, too, when Frost could take a moment to say, hey, you know, we have a lot of needs. We, we're coming off a four and eight season. Right. Hey, we have all of a sudden now, you know, uh, all that talent that we've, we've built up under Riley and we've had around the new guys. Wow, they're really having trouble in the offseason workouts and stuff. That's okay right now, to say. I think, right. to say that. I think these guys will be in fine shape. You know, throughout the course of the off season, they'll be fine by the time that they need to be in, in in that shape. But right now, yeah, they're struggling. They're they're it's a transition off season, all that, and and I think it's good to pump the brakes sometimes. Yeah. And this is a good time to do it because there's so many good feelings. There's good reasons to be optimistic, right? And and we should be. Let's not let's not throw more fuel on the fire. And I, that's what I felt that four and eight statement from Frost a little bit was. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it referenced that. And then it kind of harkens back to, you know, what happened with the Rabdo. You know, this team is in clearly not very good shape, you know. And some of that's the layoff because they didn't have a bowl game to prepare for. And mm-hmm. I understand that. But uh, but some of it is also clearly that there was no accountability in the, in the weight program. And that's what we're finding out now. Now, I wouldn't have said that that was a problem last year. I would just – I thought we were weak mentally – uh, turns out we're also weak physically, so we had two good excuses going for us, which is why you allow like 50 points like three games in a row, yeah. because those, those that's a terrible combination for winning football games. Um, so yeah, when he tempers that expectation with that, you know, it was unfortunate those guys got got hurt or injured or however you want to call that. Uh, but those pro let's not let's not twist it in this this beat down. It wasn't like Bear Bryant the second coming or anything like that. It was a, it was a shortened workout based on what they'd already known about their lack of conditioning that they tried to right. temper it and it still happened. So it's not it's not an issue of negligence by the yeah. staff. It's more of a whoa we didn't know it was even that bad after we had te- checked it. So sure. you know it can't Part happen it. again. Obviously, I'm not trying to downplay mm-hmm. that at all. Uh, but but. It just speaks to the greater point of, whoa, we had no idea we were this far away. And so yeah. when Frost says 4-8, and eight, that's real, guys. The 4-8 and eight was, I didn't predict it. You could go back to the shows and see what I was predicting. In fact, my mom was listening to this show. She said, oh, I heard your first one. You guys were so full of energy and life, and you're predicting these scores. And I'm like, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, we you know, had, what do you know, mom? We had the Manning camp's best quarterback. But yeah, I... No, I mean, it, it wasn't a Junction Boys thing or even a Camp Curtis kind of issue. Right. You know, it wasn't negligence. But I think the point that, that 
we did have a 55 day layoff between our last organized workout basically after yeah. you know, around Iowa and when we actually started this in January that plays a role in this too it's same thing that happened to Oregon a year ago when they had some similar issues and they didn't have a bowl game so I mean that layoff hurts can hurt teams and on top of that as you you know Mac you know you understand this more than than I do because you you work out and care about your body um, okay, you don't is, work is out that, what so, <laughs> I go in stretches when I care but 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 even like the rhabdo thing, it's not rhabdo doesn't just mean that you know just some guy's lazy or out of shape or isn't working. In not fact, in no. fact, it could be the exact opposite. It can be guys working really hard. They're trying to impress coaches. Exactly. That it's. I I know we can put a, a, yeah. a negative or positive spin on anything, no matter what. But at the end of the day, I think that was just. I think that was a, an unfortunate incident. It kind of got blown up, but but at the end of the day. We've got some good players. They're going through a new new workout style. They'll be in great shape by the yeah. time when, by the time the, the spring even comes along, and uh, and it's still smart for for Frost to, to blow the hype down a little. It's unfortunate it's Tyjon Lindsay though too because he was one of those guys. If you were going to earmark a guy that you think, oh man, light if the light comes on for that guy in this kind of offense, he could be phenomenal. Right. So I, you don't right. know how long that's going to set him back, but it is, you know. It does become a concern about training in the future. And then you start to think, well, they're going to have to taper back so much they're not going to be where they want to be in conditioning by the time the yeah, spring ball rolls right. around. But I don't know. These are young guys. These are Division one athletes. I feel like they should be able to get those guys in there with a little care. But, you know, they, the players have to be interesting to, to if this gets followed up by the uh, the actual media, not the podcast media, I guess, and, and ask, like, how have they advanced their workout Routines over the course of of the off season here, uh, are are they closer to a UCF workout by by March than they were in January, or are they still still trying to catch up? I think that would be the the question I would ask because, and I, I think you made a really good point here, Honk and Mac, is that Tyjon Lindsay? I mean, it, it looks bad. He's the four star guy that was the 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 um, crown jewel of the Riley recruiting era, practically. But a lot of this could have been his effort. I mean, he was probably really working hard, and and yeah, the, it's not it's not just that he was out of shape. It was the actual effort he was exerting that exactly. Caused the issue. You don't get that by you don't get that by being lazy through a workout. So there's I yeah. mean, if you're gonna put a, a spin on it or try to be positive, you only get that by putting out maximum effort. Now, did he maybe not? do enough hydrating beforehand like he was told to that could be another thing but that's not effort that's just education you know and that's that's something that can be addressed and that's something that going forward hey man you could point to that guy and say oh do you remember last year when you didn't hydrate or when this guy didn't hydrate what happened to him you know really only two considering what the what the the scope of the workout has changed to i mean clearly they're working out considerably harder than what they were with Riley. So to only get two out of 150, maybe we dodged a bullet. Who knows? And maybe to put a little bit sure. of a wrapper on this, too, is that to be consistent also with what we've been talking about literally since the day that Icorse was fired, we've been very impressed with the leadership of this entire university, the, the athletic program and everything. And, and this is one of those early PR moments or one of those early kind of, oh, no, it could be a really bad thing if not handled right. The first one. And, and it was handled beautifully frost got out ahead of it frost took ownership for what he needed to take ownership for he didn't throw his his coach under his strength coach under the bus the athletic he he yielded some questions to the athletic director the athletic director stepped in and did what he needed to do right away and we kept this from being something more and and in most cases 
uh, not factual. You know, if you let it grow and be bigger than it is, a lot of times it takes a yeah. life of its own and things yeah. that aren't. They true got ahead of the out. story. Yeah. So he got well, ahead and, of it. They did it wrong. And Zach Duvall has no track. He's got a long track history of good things and none of this. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. kind of stuff hasn't really happened to him before. So yeah. if, if it was, yeah, it's just it's. It had it had legs. I think it got the exact amount of coverage it really should have because it was a, it was an issue. It did happen. It needed to be addressed. Yep. Uh, and going forward, we're going to have to be a little more careful. And really, going forward, we should never be this out of shape again. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. We shouldn't have a fifty-five uh, day layoff. That's for sure. So we would talk a lot about the the guys already on campus and who we just signed. Um, but we, you know, uh, a couple guys we haven't haven't didn't sign like. Uh, uh, Masri Mapu um, have gone the Iowa Western route, and I think you know the Husker coaches, as busy as they've been trying to lock down this recruiting class, was at Iowa Western uh, last week or so, which was the first time in how long, Honk? I think you you were telling me. Yeah, it was like ten years that since a head coach and a defensive coordinator at least went there. So maybe maybe we would have wow. sent a position coach somewhere along the lines, but that's that wow. is just. You just shake your head and you can't believe that. I, it's like I, the mistakes of the previous coaching staffs are just, I just can't comprehend sometimes what they've been thinking. Well, it's the idea of, you know, again, you don't fly over good talent to get good talent. That's something Moose has said from day one. And, yes, we are a national recruiting program. I've never denied that. Even as I've said, make sure you recruit the state. I've never said don't go nationally. But, my goodness, you have a, a – uh, juco that's 50 miles down the road a juco that has sent 25 guys in the last seven years to big 10 schools so don't tell me the conference isn't taking them wisconsin's taking a kid from there iowa if there was a high school in the 500 mile radius that was doing that wouldn't you go make sure you had a presence there yeah you go like five can we pause there so there's probably somewhere between five and ten at least iowa western players that go sign division one uh letter of intent each year is that is that right and we haven't had anybody yeah, we haven't taken Zero. a single kid. And to that point, we hadn't really sent a head coach or a or coordinator in 10 years. So that's that, that's some of the – and those are – I don't want to call them easy things to fix, but they're things that need to be fixed, and, and Frost has already been addressing them even just in this two-month stamp period. And so now we're sending kids – essentially we're almost sending yeah. kids to Iowa Western, um, a Maypew – that we'll have a chance to get him again if he if he does his stuff right in the in the yeah. in the uh, the academic side of things. We're building a relationship that, with them now, and 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 I'm sure we'll be grabbing a couple kids out of that school here. You know, starting as early as potentially next year, even. The way the right. way that uh, Ryan no. Held works, I just don't see those JUCO guys getting out from underneath our noses like they have been lately. I just I love that about that guy. He is such a grinder on that that front. And and when you're dealing with a state like Nebraska, where the in state talent is it is what it is. It's a le- it's a lesser talented state. It's just population issues. The JUCO routes can be such a huge source of, of you know, just immediate con- contributors that you can use from time to time. It's, it, it's silly that we haven't been using it. It's ridiculous. Actually. It's the mid '90s version of, of the Prop 48. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. And or so no, it's, it's the it's the present day version of Prop 48 from the mid '90s, right? That's a, that's an even more correct way of saying what I Thank said you. incorrectly. Yes. Now, I think it's a minute, really what? good really good point. <laughs> I would have been Prop 48, uh, is what I'm getting at. So. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with uh, you mentioned it before uh, the spring game sellout, which is it's it is great um, 
from a uh, publicity standpoint of saying we've sold out the spring game, which is first time ever, 90,000 tickets uh, or, or whatever, 85,000 tickets, 90,000 people will be there uh, come April 21st. Um, I will bring Boomer in here a little bit if he's around um, in the sense that I feel like the the, the tickets – the season ticket holders got 24 hours preview to buy tickets. They got could buy up to 20 tickets as a season ticket holder. And now we have all these tickets on StubHub being sold well overpriced. Uh, it's $10 tickets for adults, free for children. I don't know how it was actually distributed. But I am a little bit disappointed in the sense that we have a scenario where we have a sellout, which is great for publicity, but it doesn't look very good that we're reselling to our own own selves about this. That's that's my take. I don't know. Uh, honky, Mac, Boomer. Well, Boomer, I, I, Boomer had the 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 text of the the year on it. Uh, what what was your your line? Do you remember uh, about uh, you know buying seventy dollar tickets? Oh, that if anyone's paying a what a hundred dollars plus for a. Spring game ticket, they should be uh, beaten with a sock filled with oranges, something to that effect. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be it. Yeah, something to that Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> and, and, it's like and how Boomer, is this going to work out, right? And I Boomer, mean, why, we've, go ahead, Honk, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, Boomer, why should we not buy $70 tickets right now? Because? Well, in essence, uh, ideally, hopefully, they'll go down in price a little bit. But as you get closer to a practice, I mean, let's be honest here, people, but... Yep. Yeah, just you know, basic supply and demand. Let's just hope demand kind of shrinks down a little, and people realize that that's way overcharging for this. And really, this should you know, I, you hate to see the spring game become something like that, where people are just looking to make a quick buck off of it. You know, I do hear there's a decent amount of people. I've heard some grumblings, you know, even around the office of people who like to take their family to the spring game because it's normally an affordable event for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you Absolutely. compare it to a regular Husker game, and that's hard to get, and it's expensive, and that's understandable. You know, something like the spring game, which is, you know, $10 for most people. And, heck, in the past, I think it's been 5 bucks, and go back far enough that it was free to get into. I mean, and that's something that was easy to take a kid to. And, you know, you don't feel the pressure to sit for an entire four-hour game or whatever it is. A good way to introduce the kids to the, the Huskers and that whole experience. And you can be a little disappointed to see it becoming just a, you know, a stub-up kind of grab. So we'll see what happens here, you know, as we get a little closer to it. Hopefully those prices will come back down. The market will... You know, shake out a little bit. Right. People aren't going to profit quite as much from this as it seems like some of them were trying to, which is, you know. Yeah. I mean, going forward, I, I feel like an easy solution is you don't allow the season ticket holders to buy 20 tickets. Yeah, that, that was a bit of a right? stupid high number. Buy as many tickets as you already have yeah. or even, you know. On top of that, I don't think like this will be a reoccurring problem. This is Frost's first year. I don't imagine us still selling out games every single year. You don't think it the fan the base is going to stay excited for the next 20 years here, McGuire? I, mean, um, I don't I mean, if think we win it right will away. stay as excited for the spring game. If we're actually winning real games, then, you know, the spring game will it'll have an appropriate amount of attention. But, but again, yeah, I think you're right, Dave. Letting season ticket holders get 20, is that's a dumb number. Well, and I don't – I guess I – I don't know enough of the specifics about it. I don't know if this is something that they've allowed in previous years. And they sounded genuinely, the athletic department sounded genuinely shocked at how how much tickets were sold how, Two as days. fast as they were. I mean, this was, I, I don't like want to jump on. 25 hours, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to jump on them for being, and say bad things about them. Because, I, I mean, this was pretty unprecedented how it happened. 
Um, and, Have they not and, been following like the podcast and stuff? I mean, they've heard <laughs> excitement, right? I mean, they're aware of that. I mean, I mean they caught too much by surprise. You know, I think it's always something that, you know, moving forward to next year, like you said, you could tweak it where you're not allowing 20 being yeah. bought. I mean, I think that's a fairly simple kind of change there. I just, I think they were genuinely caught off guard at how fast these things went. Um, and I, I'm doubting that they're going to be caught off guard again with anything yeah. else. Because this is that's how much interest there is out there right in now. In three years, it'll be they'll be talk of stadium expansion again. That's how that's how frosty things are getting. <laughs> Just win. Eighty five ain't going to be enough. We got to get that ninety. Nebraska ball. All right, guys. Next on the Go Big Red Cast, let's talk some Nebraska ball. Uh, we have uh, continued to see success on the court. Huskers took on Minnesota on Tuesday and got another road victory. The RPI is uh, getting a little bit better and uh, the bubble is getting a little bit more and more real for this Nebraska basketball team. Um, let's let's kick this off with uh, maybe a little trivia. Trivia time. Boomer, what do you got for us? Well, the, we have been talking a lot about the possibility of the Huskers making the NCAA tournament. You do hear quite a bit of talk of Huskers probably needing a really strong push to close the season, possibly even winning out. And looking at the schedule, if we win out, that will mean we will have uh, swept in multiple games Wisconsin, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Illinois, which would give us, you know, four sweeps versus teams we've played multiple times in the conference. So Mm -hmm. I was curious, uh, has Nebraska in the past ever swept four or more conference foes in a single season when you've played them more than once? And if so, that's a, that's how many trivia. times has it happened? If so, how many? That's a great question. Yeah, Boomer, that's what we're that's that's what you're here for, buddy. Well, exactly. Well, I'll let Honky's gears start grinding over there a little bit. Obviously, the '91 season when we went 26 and seven or so might be a candidate. One of the challenges is during the Big Eight years you only have seven schools you play around robin in 14 conference games and you only only have seven teams to potentially sweep so you'd have to uh, you just have limited limited opportunities you have have more now with the big 10 schedule where you have 18 conference games it's a a really good question if you go before danny knees era Moaiba and uh, Cipriano. Cipriano had had a couple of twenty win seasons, uh, but boy, I mean they probably at max went. I, I want to say Sip might have went twelve and two one year or something like that. So he he could have done that. I, I I'd guess that maybe Cipriano might have done it back in the seventies. Uh, he he, he tied for second I think one year and, and went twelve and two or something like that. Honky, what are you thinking? I'm going to simplify it down to one thing. I can only recall one time in, in my life that we swept Kansas, and I think that was 98. And I'm just going to say yeah. 98 then, because if we could sweep Kansas, maybe we could have swept three others in the process. So I'm just going to go 98. I, I don't know. I'm going to go even right. more simple and say no. <laughs> and then I don't have to <laughs> so. so I'm guessing, let me, let me think about this. So $1 Honky said 98, based off, of, based off of sweeping KU. I don't recall us uh, having that great of a big eight record that year. So he might be right, but I'm going to say no. Mm. I, I think we could have done that in 91. 91, I, definitely, yeah. 91, and then I think we could have 
done it back in the 70s once. Again, I think we went like 12-2 and two one year, and that probably would have resulted. You had to yeah. have swept um, five teams then. Yeah, so my, I'm going to say. I have a, a co-worker, ahead, Carl, that is a co-worker, Carl, who's a big basketball guy from like the 70s, and he's he's talked about there's one or two times under Cipriano when – when the NCAA tournament was different, didn't have as many teams, and and we didn't make it into a postseason, but we should have. Like we had some great record. And, and yeah, you know, people don't realize yeah. this. Uh, uh, before 1985, when Villanova won the national title, was the first year we went to a 64 team tournament. Before then, it was 48. If you go back into the 70s, it was 32. He was even down to 24. It was some weird numbers. Uh, only the conference champion would go, so you could go 12 and two. Finished second in the Big Eight in the 1970s and not make the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So when Nebraska only has seven bids to the tourney, some of it's because when we had good teams in the 60s or 70s, we just didn't win the win the conference. So I'll, I'll guess uh, twice. I'll go 91 and like 75. Boomer, what do you got? Well, uh, the good news for Husker fans is that it has actually happened five times in Husker basketball history. Uh, the downside to it is since the invention of the first commercial bread slicing machine in 1928, <laughs> oh, it's only happened one time. So it uh-huh. has happened once since the invention of sliced bread. And Dave, uh-huh. you were on the right track. It happened in the 1965-1966 season under Joe Cipriano. Okay. They did go right. 12 and two, so they did beat uh, they beat they swept Missouri, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State that season. So it was a solid season. Uh, they didn't make the tournament, unfortunately. Lost in the, I think, towards the end of the year, they lost a game to Colorado, which kicked them out of first place in the conference, so their chance slipped away there. Um, it did happen four other times, like I'd mentioned. We were solid in basketball in the 1920s, happened twice under W.E. Klein and once under Paul Schisler, and then the 1915-1916 uh, great team under Sam Waugh went undefeated in conference, uh, I believe 13-0 <laughs> if I remember, and swept the Missouri Valley title that year uh, pre, pre-tournament. So I'm going to take partial credit for yeah, getting Joseph yeah, we'll Brown. Yeah, we'll give you a for that one. Would they have had Chuck Jura? Would he have been on the team back then? Or is that mm, even I think it would have been after that. Pre-Jura? Yeah, My two trivia questions are always such a nice walk down the history. Well, that's why that's why I try to do this. We're, we're not just a current it. events podcast. We want to try to broaden everyone's, you know, Husker knowledge. You know, I feel dumb every time you ask a question. I do yeah. learn something. Yeah, we've got, so, we've got Bo- hundreds of years of Husker history to draw on here, so we might as so well. So, Boomer, yeah. maybe, you know, Jumbo Stein or Steam wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't a coach for that in basketball. Maybe that's one of the reasons he left. He just couldn't, uh, well, he couldn't pull off the floor. He, the that was kind teams. of a rub back then. He actually dominated a lot of teams in conference basketball he'd win you know the missouri valley back then they'd win all 10 games but the way they would schedule basketball back then is you were in the conference but you'd play like iowa state four times kansas three times and drake four times and that's that was your conference <laughs> schedule and you'd play those teams like, a, like you'd play those teams like back to back like within a week so you play iowa state three times sure. in a week so it's like a series yeah you it was weird train to, so he would he could sweep those teams but it was only three so it doesn't technically count for my question so i was looking for four or more right. so you take yeah, he's out on a technicality, and, but yeah, you all play Steen Iowa was, State uh, three times. Steen, Mike's hero. You should get a tattoo of him or something. I thought about it. And, uh, Wait a minute, is that what you're patterning your mustache off of? Does does Jumbo he, Steen No, he did not have a mustache, unfortunately. Oh, no, he no, did not. So he was clean shaven. So yeah. <laughs> did have a bow tie, however. So. For, for those well, that, it, it, yeah, I was just going to say, for those that are that are interested, 
we record this on Google Hangouts so we can look at each other. And, and tonight, <laughs> tonight, Mac and I are actually in the same room for the first time ever recording. That's why if we sound Who's a little different. There's some buddies going on Looking here. at each other. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're right next to each other. But Boomer, beautiful Boomer over there, he's got the, this mustache with the, the, what do you call that? Is that sidebars or handlebars? Handlebars. Or handlebars, handlebars, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He's been to a mustache folks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, for example, uh, in 1912, 1913 season, uh, we played Iowa State four times in a row on uh, February 21st, 22nd, 28th, and March 1st. So so, so the Big yeah. Ten is scheduling for them back then. Did Basically, they, they were, home? yes. Yeah, it's, so that's do you, a great is it a home point, and home, Mike? Do you go there and come back, or do they all just it's stay like a home Nebraska? and away. Ah, uh, usually you would go to that place and you'd stay for a day or two and you'd play the couple games at the same location. So, like we'd go to Drake and we'd play, you know, two games there. Then a month later they'd come and play two games here, that sort of thing. Sure. So, yeah, it was an odd scheduling quirk back then. They kind of had a baseball type schedule. Almost. Well, yeah, but I suppose when you had to take a train there, you didn't have much of a choice. Right. So you might as well get as maximize the game time so, you can get. So know, speaking yeah. of weird scheduling, I think this is a great little uh, sidebar to our Nebraska basketball conversation in the sense that we just uh, beat Minnesota after an eight-day layoff, and then before that we played four games in eight days. And we're not the only team that's going through this in the Big Ten. Tom Izzo commented after surviving a scare from Iowa that they had just played five games in 12 days. The The Big Ten scheduling for basketball this year is just atrocious. I mean, it's not not good for the play. It's not good for the fans. It's so inconsistent. I mean, one of you guys mentioned, I mean, how, how often have we played Saturday home games? It's just it's almost never happened. We right played now. one right. this year, and I don't think we played any last year. So the, even the con- the only makes no sense. Yeah. The only thing that's consistent is that they're consistently really bad at scheduling across the, all the the, all the sports. sports. You mentioned it with with basketball, but in football, why are we why are we playing at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, and at Iowa next year? And then you can look at like Iowa's schedule in 2015 when they went undefeated and they didn't play any of those teams from the other division. You can look at it in baseball. Why can't we play a, a Sunday game that ends at a decent time without them? You know. What have they done in baseball? They've canceled series early. They've screwed up some of the scheduling that's gone on in the Big Ten baseball. Games would have to be ended early, et cetera. You would have scenarios where Nebraska and Indiana are clearly the two best teams going into the season, and they're not scheduled. I mean, it's just like, why do you do that? With uh, football, I mean, that the fact that Nebraska plays Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern either home or away each year makes no sense. I mean, like. It just, I mean, the the imbalance is, is maddening to say. And, the least. and how many times have we played Ohio State since we've joined the conference? It just like an incredible yeah. amount of times we play them. It seems like every year, and we've played Maryland what once? I think does that sound right? Yeah, Indiana we play Ohio State ones. the next yeah. three years straight yeah. and just played them, and so yeah. yeah. I mean, we play them just an incredible amount of times. It's just I don't understand. I, they must be just beginning hitting hitting the head with a tack hammer before they write every schedule. I don't. I don't understand their logic or their thought process behind it, other than whatever it takes to get get stuff to Madison Square Garden, because God forbid the execs want to go to New York City. That's the only thing I can figure out. Well, let's let's tighten this conversation back up a little bit and and focus back on that basketball schedule, because we have uh, five games left. Huskers are 9-4 in conference. They're all five winnable games, gettable games, if you will. They're... Maryland might be a difficult. We need to beat Rutgers here this Saturday. 
Uh, there's a couple other games that are Penn State closing out the season, but there's a chance you could sweep and go 23 and 8, 14 and 4. And I think you're starting to get to the point where if you have that type of record, you're probably in the the tournament safely. Honky, uh, what are your thoughts? What's what's the the Huskers need to do? Maybe we've got some fans that are uh, asking similar questions in the mailbag. What's going on? Yeah, well, uh, Scott Dace asked, uh, can Nebraska ball win the rest of their games and, and win one in the conference tournament? And I think to your point there, Dave, I don't know that both of those things have to happen. It would be great if they did. Uh, but certainly if they win the rest of their games, I'm, I'm not sure at that point at 23-8 and eight and 14-4, and four, I don't know that we'd have to win one in the tournament. Um, if you start to lose one of these next five games, I do think you have to make up for it in the tournament at that point. So it's probably important that we get five more wins. But, boy, that just seems historically strange that, that, you know, that we could be nervous about finishing – Oh, instead of fourteen and four, let's say we're thirteen and five. Just the the fact that that would make you nervous is just it's historically a, strange. It's clearly a, a a quirky situation in the sense that if you go that in the Big Ten any other year, you feel really confident that you're a you're a five or a six seed or something like that at worst, right? Yeah. Um, but Nebraska had a few opportunities with KU and Creighton and even now St. John's to have these quality RPI wins. We didn't get them. And the Big Ten schedule just sets up to not deliver those here at the end of the end of the year. Uh, and and Boomer, I think you mentioned there's I mean some precedent there with with Washington in the Pac-12 a couple of years ago having an ungodly record in and not getting in the tournament, right? Yeah, they actually won the Pac-12 regular season. I think they had 24 wins, and they got knocked out the first game they played in the Pac-12 tournaments, and they didn't make the the tournament. Uh, that was kind of a weird year for the Pac-12. Uh, I know Jack Mitchell, radio host uh, here in uh, you know Lincoln, he actually was doing some research on this as well. And oddly enough, that same season, the number two team from the Pac-12, Cal, they won 20-some-odd games, and they had zero top 50 wins, and they got an invite to the NCAA tournament over the actual division winner. Yeah, over the conference champion. Yeah. So, you know, there's precedent both ways for it. It's just you hate to just kind of hang your hat on one of those things happening. So... You know, Nebraska's got to win, keep winning. And it definitely helps if teams around us lose and choke and some things kind of fall our way. So, you know, I have to keep yeah, an if eye we on that. Win, you know. If we go win 22 or 23 games, that will be the most victories in the regular season besides the 91 year. I'm certain of that. Um, and, and 91, it might be even tight, right? Um 91 probably won 20, 24 or 25 in the regular season, something like that. Sounds about right. Uh, and so that's that's an unprecedented win rate, and we're talking about being in the bubble. So it is a very weird thing. Uh, this team, the Minnesota game is another game where uh, we we could have uh, at times – you know, fell flat in that game. We came out and played really well initially. Minnesota comes back and makes it a close game. And uh, then I, I think it was uh, the technical foul, right? I mean, the game might be at tied or a two-point lead, and um, uh, Patino gets the, the, the T, and we go off on an 8-0 run. And, uh, you know, we get a little scared at the end there. But this team can score points. Uh, better than any other Miles team ever before, and that that's a big difference. And I think that could result in a 
I, I, I would not be shocked at this point if we went uh, finished off the season 5-0. and Yeah, I it think that happen. was yeah one of the great things to see in that game was, you know, even early on, especially we had, like, uh, Palmer struggling. He wasn't scoring a whole lot that first half. We had a lot of other players kind of step up and, you know, fill that gap in the meantime until he started playing better that second half. You compare, you know, Nebraska to Michigan, or excuse me, to Minnesota in that game. Minnesota basically depended on two guys to score. Yeah, it was Mason Murphy and, and Mason. Murphy. The only guys that yeah. had anything resembling points. And meanwhile, I think every one of our starters was in double digits, and I think we had almost 20 points off the bench. When you had yeah, that five, many players. Five guys yeah. that were in double digits. Yeah, yeah. yeah that it, many it players that can contribute. You're getting decent points from all of them. That's just a, that's a good sign right there. That And it makes it tough to, tough to beat a team that can do that. Yeah, you shut one guy down, but other people are there to pick up the slack. And that's something we haven't had in a Nebraska ball team since – Gosh, I don't even know when. So it's, it's been a while. Yeah, the o- offense that we're seeing here. Hey, Mac, uh, I think you're on the bandwagon now. I mean, you you said you were going to wait for the Minnesota game. This if you watch that game, yeah. If you watch that game, you have to be excited about this offense. We're scoring 90 points a game here a couple times. I mean, that back in the Doc Sadler era, Barry Collier, if we got 60, we'd be excited, right? We got guys uh, dropping 10, 15, 20 points uh, across the board. It's fun to watch. It, it, it was fun to watch. Um, been watching a lot. The, the, the wife's been watching it with me, too. And in this last game, because of uh, parental responsibilities, we didn't get started on it exactly right. So when I when I saw what the score was live, we had about 20 minutes of lag time. So I started the game over to watch so I could watch the beginning because I wanted to see what the what the flow was like. And I'm really glad I saw that we were leading because of how badly we started that game. You know, they came out yeah, and they we played really good at first. I'm right? like, huh. I go, well, I'm really happy that we got the lead here because that means at some point we must have really turned it on. And then the score got, well, I don't know, we were down by like almost 8, maybe 10, close to, before we started scoring. But it was good to see the team never get rattled. I thought the team looked cool the whole time. Like you said, uh, James Pollard Jr. didn't start out hot. But, you know, he kept everybody stayed involved. Roby played out of his mind. Um I thought him and Copeland particularly both played really good defense. And defense always travels, or always can travel, I should say. Shooting sometimes doesn't, but defense is almost always an effort thing. So um, not getting rattled. The way Miles is letting them play, uh, the confidence this team's playing with has been, I mean, that's noticeable from a very casual fan. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, we were were down 7-0 in that game before we started scoring. They had we had scored twenty five points before Palmer scores his first ones, and you know to Boomer's point, and then to your point, Dave, about the depth of the scoring options, we've had four different guys right now this season that have scored over twenty points in a game. Roby there got twenty one; he was the leading scorer in that game. Uh, the other time we played Minnesota, Watson scored twenty nine. Uh, Copeland's put up twenty against at least Iowa and probably another game or two, and then our leading scorer, of course, is Palmer. I don't know nationally how that ranks, but how many other teams right now nationally have four different guys on the team that can say they've scored at least 20 in one game? I don't know. That's that's certainly unusual by Nebraska standards. And some legitimate shooters from the outside, too. Roby's hit from deep. Watson's hit from deep. Copeland, uh, Palmer, they all can shoot from deep. If, If they hit like they did against Minnesota, which was on fire, that's a whole different kind of ball game. Like, we've said it before, like, we probably shouldn't try to live behind the three-point line as much as we've had in some games. Obviously, against Minnesota, that worked out really well. But that game, like, you yeah. mentioned it, too. There are other guys. Evan Taylor just steps up and starts hitting a three yeah, and making plays. Yeah, that was a great three hit late in the game. Oh, was, yeah. Allen was, hit a couple of threes. Jordy came in and was very productive. I mean, even the guys that weren't putting up the big points. Jordy totals, was productive. And we've been good in the line again. I mean, the, the free throw shooting has been so much... I'd be curious as to 
how that compares to previous years as far as team shooting from the line. I feel mm. like it has to be up 20 points. It feels like it. That's for certain. D- Dave, do you think, I mean, if we had, we if we could have beaten Kansas, we lose by one. If we could have beaten them, that one win. So now all of a sudden, instead of, you know, being 18 and 8, we're, we're 19 and 7. To, all of a sudden, with that one win, could we lose two or three of our last five games and still make it? I mean, how important? Right now, if we would have beaten Kansas, who's an RPI of six, we are on the right side of the bubble, clearly. And probably safely, and uh, safely, and we're probably like a ten seed or something like that. Um, but we'll, and you'd so you'd still want to win to in, improve your seeding. Sure. Uh, I, I think if we, you you beat both Kansas and Creighton, for example, or even that St. John's win now, or UCF. Uh, if you had two of those, then you'd be like you you could go, um, yeah, go three and two here or something like that, and you'd be fine uh, because two wins in the top. Uh, group the tier of RPI. I think that would be pretty compelling. I think one clearly gets you on the right side of the bubble right now. I I, I don't think you'd want to be messing around too much with that. That'd be my take. But yeah, yeah. I mean it. I mean if you don't have those, I mean if if you didn't have, I mean your opportunities were there to get those wins. If you just would have played a, a dog schedule and didn't have Kansas and and uh, Creighton etc., you'd be in probably even worse shape than we are. At least we we. Uh, tried and when it comes down to the committee actually the kind of the the human side of it they will look at that and see that we you know lost by a point and we're competitive all those type of things so that's what I was going to ask you because you know I feel like right now there's a there's a fair amount of momentum behind Nebraska basketball and it's not just a, a ground or grassroots kind of movement I hear about it on the Big Ten Network and I've heard on ESPN so the fact that we are kind of being talked about already now will that help the committee possibly look back at our resume and say Okay, why is everybody talking about this team? Well, they work pretty close here, as opposed to just in years past where it's like, well, it's Nebraska and their score and their RPI and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, the resume lacks those big wins, but it, but if you look at it, the, they played well in those games too or had an opportunity. So will that make a difference or is it not that big of a deal? No, I think it makes a bit of a difference, especially on, on close calls because, I mean, the committee does watch basketball. It's not just a numbers exercise. Um, and so I, I think that when you watch this team play, they look like a team that can win an NCAA tournament game. Um, and that, that makes a difference. They want to select teams they think will be competitive in the field. Uh, and so the resume is one thing, but they want to have the best possible tournament. And so I think Nebraska can get some, some extra points on that. Remember, think, do you have yeah. any... And you I would think so? if you're, you know, you're ending the season on a, you know, nine-game win streak or so, exactly. human nature is just going to, the recency bias is going to play a role in that. It's going to be hard to look at that team and, you know, not give it a little more credence than you would a team that maybe started hot and has dropped, you know, five of their last, you know, ten games or something like that if, if gotcha. you're comparing two teams. That's just my – And you're scoring feeling. points. Yeah, yeah you're scoring points for the 80s, 90s, 90s, 90s. That's also going to be hard to – Hard to keep out, too. So there is that plus as well. Yeah. Well, I, this does lead a little bit, I guess, into the poll question that we have out there right now on Twitter. It will be out there until, I think, Saturday. So if you're listening to this on, on Friday, you go out there and vote still. About 250 or so votes so far, and it's how many Big Ten teams do we think are going to make the per- the tournament, period. So do we think four, five, six, or seven? And so far, uh, the, the top 
vote getter with 55% of it is, is five teams. So 55% of you out there think that five teams are going to make it. 29% think four teams. So basically you add those two up, 84% think somewhere between four and five. And that's not a surprise, but that's kind of that shows the numbers about where we need to be. We at least need to be in that top four or five of the Big Ten. Right now we are fourth. We are nine and four in conference. Michigan's right. right behind us at fifth, but technically, we kind of said this last week, they're technically two games behind us with the head-to-head. So um, really, right now, I mean, we're sitting pretty good shape in terms of our actual position, but as we kind of said earlier, Michigan looks stronger probably to the NCAA tournament than we do at a five than we do as a four, which sounds bizarre because we beat them by 20 at home, but they just have a, a bigger resume, and plus they're going to have opportunities to play Ohio State still and we just don't have those, sure. those games. Yeah, so we just got to win I the ones we have. If, if we I won think, out, if we won out, and then immediately didn't get a win in the Big Ten tournament, was that ruin our chances, or was that not as important? Can we it bow out early in that? It would be <laughs> yeah, nine. You know. If we lost it, we would be losing. If we were a fourth seed, we would we would not play on Wednesday or Thursday. We'd play our first game on Friday, and if we lost, it would be nine days of gut wrenching Nebraska basketball history of waiting until the, the, the seating, which is the following yep. Sunday. It would be brutal. Thanks, Big Ten <laughs> scheduling. Good thing we moved the tournament up a week. You know? Yeah, yeah, it would be painful. I mean, I, I you know, a lot of things can play into here, I mean, including other teams' performance, right? So yep. a bubble sometimes can be soft or hard, and there could be a lot of teams on it, or sometimes it's it's pretty thin on the resume so it might not be that that bad but it, it it that could happen and i would tell you i mean i look at those numbers and it, it could go between four and and six i think with the big 10 right now in the sense that michigan needs to keep on winning i mean they lost uh this week and they can't keep on affording to, to they lost to northwestern l- losing those type of games uh for their resume and on the opposite side i think i mean you know, some buzz about Northwestern trying to make a late season run. They have the talent there, probably sure. But Penn State actually might have the resume. They have the Ohio State win. They have a couple more pelts out there they could get. Yeah, they're they, six and six. They still they play us in the they last still play game of the season. Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan, and Nebraska. So they can totally flip this conference over, or they can get beaten down and. And we know Penn State's not that bad. Who knows? Yeah, and that could create. There's, there's, there's probably yeah. a Penn State podcast out there right now trying to figure out how they could get under the bubble. <laughs> yeah, and that, well, it's there we, for them. Honestly, they have the path to it. If they went well, out, I, you're think not going to keep them out. I don't think so. Think about it. we yeah. have five games left. Four of them at home, all against teams that are they're more and winnable. And our one road games against Illinois. If we win our next four games, that that last game is against Penn State. And Boomer Dave, to your point, if Penn State keeps winning and they're getting right onto that bubble, then too. We've created a, a no-sit Sunday kind of atmosphere for that Penn State game on that, that final Sunday of the, of the regular season. Just the way the Big yeah. Ten planned it when the season started, right? Nebraska-Penn <laughs> State for all the, all the marbles, right? <laughs> Nebraska <laughs> ball, it's fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's great stuff, great stuff. Yeah, the Big Ten does actually have a uh, – so we play Rutgers on Saturday. Sounds like uh, Mac is going to that game. I'm going. Upper right-hand uh, corner, as high as you can get. S- Nice. Also on Saturday, uh, Purdue plays Michigan State, which is uh, three versus four in the national ranking. So that will be a, a premier Big Ten game. So Where is that at? I do not know. It's What's the altitude? 
It's either at Penn State or either at Michigan State or it's at Purdue. I'm not for certain. That's incredible podcast right there. Really Maybe is. Boomer could look really that up is. if you have a second. It's uh, at Michigan State. So there we go. Oh, at East Lansing. So there you have it. At the Breslin Center there. And Purdue just lost to Ohio State. So Ohio State actually is now in tied for first place. So um, yeah, that's, that's quite the story as well. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else on Nebraska basketball? I think we, we, we knocked that out of the park, man. Yeah. Or the court, whatever you want to say. I know I feel good about my first contribution to the segment. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, yeah. Mac. Well, yeah. Welcome yeah. to the segment, Matt. Yeah. I, stick your – Here we stick, go. Uh, stick around. I here hope we I'm go. not bad luck. I hope I don't have like a – Nah, don't worry about it. Yeah. They don't. They, they were fine. That, Although that was a if good we lose, to watch. you know. The layoff and, and to see them come back and, and kind of muddle their way through and then – you know, catch rhythm towards the end. That was fun to watch. And, you know, those those guys are gushing over Roby, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm Yeah. I'm impressed with Mac's knowledge here. This isn't like Jeopardy and trying to get, you know, the, the NCAA football <laughs> questions. He's, this guy knows what he's talking about. So, you know, oh, I appreciate yeah, the contributions. People are listening. He's an influencer. Right. <laughs> Mark Beller said it was time to jump on, and I trust Mark. Because he'll tell right, you straight right. when they suck. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else uh, we want to cover on Nebraska sports, women's bowling? Anything else? We good? We're ready for hot takes? Parting shots. I mean, parting shots. Parting yeah, shots. Good. Parting shots. Hockey. Take it away with parting shot number one. Do you say me? I'm sorry. You cut out. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me. Okay. Go ahead, Hong. Um, had a had a, kind of a fun little conversation about a week ago on Twitter. And it was just talking about next year's football team, how many wins and everything, and ended up uh, having uh, the Big Red Cobcast and us kind of went back and forth with just talking about some football. And it was really kind of cool. And it's I, I kind of want to give a shout-out to some of the other podcasts, actually, that are doing the same thing that we are. Um, as it turned out, there was somebody that asked a question because it's Big Red Cobcast and we're Go oh, Big Redcast. Yes. Some guy asked, are you guys the same one? And, and I had to – I took the, the blame there. I go, technically that's on us for branding issues. The Cobcast has been around much longer than us, and we, we take the blame we for taking it. intentional. There's only it was so not, many puns you can make on the, on the you know. It's the furthest thing from intentional. We honestly, and I can speak for myself, 12 months ago, I had never been on a podcast of any kind, Husker football or anything. I had never, never been on the internet. Tell. Couldn't tell. Ago, I, I had been on the internet. You know, but. Yeah. And my point behind that is, is it's not just the Cobcast. I mean, we've been listening to some other ones, the, the Husker Fan Podcast, the, the Cuzcast. I'm, I'm going to try to have a coffee on campus here in the next week or two with Justin from the Husker Fan Podcast. There's some really other good shows that are out there. And, and it's not just that there's room for everyone. I hope that if we're doing our own little part, the Redcast, mm. I hope that we're bringing new people. Like we're increasing the pot of people that are listening. Because I'm a good example of that. Twelve months ago... I didn't know what any of these things meant, and now I'm listening to all of them. In addition to the Sharp and Bennings and the, yeah. you know, and the and the Husker online. So there's a lot of good shows out there. Please keep listening to us if you're listening. But also, if you haven't, give those other ones a shot too. It's it's fun. We're all here trying to do the same thing and and promote this promote the team that we love here. The, the, the we are the long form version of podcast. Uh, if if you got an hour and a half, uh, spend it with us. That's what I say. That's right. Mac, what do you got for your uh, parting shot? Um, just to go back to the recruiting thing one real time, I we finished third in the conference recruiting. That is incredible with the amount of time that we had. Now, Ohio State and, and Penn State were well above us, but we got third with the short amount of time that we had. My goodness. Um, 
I couldn't be more impressed with what the coaching staff has done. That's with two months and a, two and a half months worth of work, and these guys are all about relationship building. I, I just can't imagine what's going to happen next. So, uh, Jimmy's got to be a little bit rustled in the Big Ten, just a little bit. Oh, it's gonna just be a little bit. I hear you. All right, Boomer, what do you got? Well, I just would kind of like to remind all the uh, Redcast listeners that we're kind of in the the Christmas season almost for Husker sports, if you will. You know, recruiting. Finally, you know, getting done with uh, basketball, both men's and women's is kind of at a fever pitch here. Uh, gymnastics is going on both, doing well. And it's kind of snuck up on a lot of people, but remember Husker Baseball starts next Friday. So February 22nd. Yeah, I have yeah, not forgotten, early. my yeah, friend. It's uh, February 16th, actually, Dave. So, yeah, it's next Friday. We're oh, starting really? off in uh, Arizona, so UC Riverside. So Got there'll be more stuff to talk about and maybe another bandwagon for you to get on there, Max. So, Can't uh, wait to see the yeah. frost effect in the baseball team. That is going to be <laughs> – yeah, I'm telling you. Yep. Ooh, Alvarado is getting some preseason hype. Yeah. I think, you know, Schreiber came back. Uh, I'm excited about that team. Yeah. I, I think Granted, they, we uh, spend all of February in Arizona, so it's going to be tough to see live. But if any of our listeners are in the Arizona area, if, uh, please drop in and check them out and let us know how they like look live. training. Yeah. Boy, if we, if we make the dance and the baseball team has a good season, maybe host a regional, and we got Scott Frost, is Bill Moose the best AD hire of the year for anybody clearly or at least he's got a great sense of timing as far as you know when to take a job somewhere yeah i think this wasn't a bad job to take let's just put it that way so i agree all right guys excellent podcast uh all around let's call that a go big red cast good beat rutgers tbr